Welcome to a Radio 191 FM podcast. Got a burning question that you want answered by legitimate experts? Not just some rando on Facebook. This is your opportunity, bringing you actual, legit info even your lecturers would approve of. It's Ask an Expert! Ask an Expert. Morena, everyone, and this is Ask an Expert on The Breakfast Show with Snaina and Hannah, where we are asking an expert your questions that you've sent in about sleep. Yeah, so this week is a biggie, um, sleep, and we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Alex Bartle, who is formerly a GP. Um, Dr. Alex Bartle now runs Sleep Well Clinics throughout New Zealand, assessing and treating sleep disorders of all kinds. He's been a speaker at a number of national and international conferences. Um, he is on the Education Committee of the Australasia Sleep Association. He's an undeniable expert of sleep in his own right and an absolute pleasure to have on the show. How's it going, Alex? <laughs> Morena. Good morning. <laughs> morning. Morning. <laughs> How are you up in uh, Tamaki Makoto, Auckland today? Well, uh, shut down, but it's a nice weather today, and I had a nice sleep last night, so I'm feeling oh, pretty good. Oh, that's good. Ready to go. <laughs> well, uh, Hannah and I are both uh, students here at Otago University, mm. and there is a weird sleep pattern that happens when you're a student because you end up balancing social life, study, jobs, extracurricular activities. Yeah. And yep. especially in a stressful exam period, how would you suggest for someone to turn off at night because I kind of go oh my gosh I need to get to sleep early yeah. and then I get anxious Better about context it. context as well Sandra and I both really? struggle with sleep. I'm terrible <laughs> with sleep like I just can't switch <clears throat> off and I would love any help if you've got it. Well the key really is understanding to take sleep seriously. You're going to remember your memory consolidation happens at night mm-hmm. so if you want to remember what you're learning then you need some sleep. The second thing is to plan. So, you know, make sure that in the evening you've actually written down a whole lot of things that you need to achieve and write out a plan so that if you're going out, well, you know what time you're coming back and what time you've got to get up. If you've got certain subjects you want to study for, make a plan for it. So you've got it timed down. The problem is when you are not having any definite lectures or work time, then things tend to just flow by and we, we lose time. If you've planned it and you've got some time zones down for it, that's the key. And that'll make you help, help you sleep much better. Planning before sleep is always a good idea as well. Mm, but also learning some relaxation strategies. Uh-huh. You know, mindfulness meditation, uh, self-hypnosis, uh, prayer, transcendental meditation, I don't care what you use, but learn some relaxation strategies. Yeah. Most of you guys know about headspace and, and calm. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all good things to be used before you go, try and go to sleep. Yeah. yeah, how important is a bedtime routine? And what what should a routine look like? Should it be a half an hour thing of like no phones or what do you recommend? I think it it depends really. You're starting off a little bit further out than that. We'd like to uh, stop phones at least three quarters of an hour to an hour beforehand if that were ever possible, which is unlikely, I think, in your <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, some rituals, even the little rituals like washing your face, doing your makeup, you know, taking your makeup off, brushing your teeth, going to the toilet, all those are little rituals that saying to your brain, I'm about to go to bed. So it's sort of priming your system, if you like, before you go to bed. Mm. So those little rituals, 10 or 15 minutes before you climb into bed, is a good idea. That's a very... I think that's something that I've been trying to do. My, my dad's very, like, turn off your phone or, like, have it off. But yeah. having a little ritual can also be quite, I feel like, quite relaxing because then you know what you're planning yeah. to do for the evening. Exactly. And exactly. 
Well, someone that has, I guess, consistently bad dreams or stressful dreams, mm-hmm. is this something that people should be concerned about? Do we um, go see someone about that or are there little ways that you can combat that before you go to sleep? I know some people try to think of like a calmer environment before they go to sleep so then they can like be in that environment potentially. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, stressful dreams does reflect a lot of stress in the system generally, you know, before exams or socially or whatever, there's stress going on. So you can minimise that by, um, A, journaling. Journaling I find really helpful. That's writing down, spending some time writing down some emotional stuff that's going on for you, which they can then throw away. Mm-hmm. You're throwing away not because you're throwing away worries, but because it's not for anybody to read. So writing down stuff is a bit like talk therapy. You're instead of talking, externalizing stuff in sentences to somebody, you're externalizing, externalizing stuff in sentences that you're going to write down. And then you can throw it away. So, so journaling is a really helpful thing to mm-hmm. Relaxation strategies that we mentioned already um, and making a plan for the next day so that you go to bed, you know what a plan is for the next day. So it's going to be much more relaxed. If you're having a recurrent horrible dream that's recurrent and keeps on happening then we talk about a thing called dream rehearsal so in the morning you wake up and you can write about the dream but instead of being stabbed and killed or (laughs) falling off the cliff or something which we often do when we're in our nasty dreams change the ending so it's quite a funny ending maybe you know they tripped up and hurt themselves or something and you got away or whatever it is you want to say but you're writing it down it's called dream uh, dream rehearsal is quite a, a good way. If it's a recurrent type of dream, like the PTSD type of concept. Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, mm. One other question we got in quite consistently yes. um, was about how much sleep do we need? Because I think everyone has read online that it's eight hours is the be-all right. and end-all. Um, but, you know, is there flexibility on that? And what would you what would you say? Yeah, there's, there's always flexibility, of course. But as a rule of thumb, I work like this. Ten years old, in hours sleep. Uh, teenagers, eight and a half to nine hours sleep. Adults, 25 onwards, say uh, about uh, between seven and eight hours sleep. I think the re- trying to reach eight hours is a bit of a, is beyond a, a lot of people. But the key factor is less than six hours on a regular basis is not good for us. Yeah. So uh, as an adult, less than six hours. We all get less than six hours sometimes, of course, and we just function with that quite well. We get through the day without any problem. We don't like it, but we get through. But if it's consistently less than six hours, then our brain doesn't have time to restore and, and function and remember things and concentrate and all those things. So, um, you know, occasional less than six hours, okay, but repetitively, no, not a good idea. Yeah. Okay. And on Seven that- hours is good for most people, to be honest. Seven? Was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. Okay. And on that, do you think... Teenagers, that a... sorry, I should say. Teenagers, of course, I forget who I'm talking to. Uh, <laughs> students, really, uh, eight and a half to nine is ideal, is what wow. we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I think that that's something that I'd want to do. And do you suggest a time, like, before? Like, do you have to get to sleep before 11 p.m.? Or is there... Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a myth, actually, this before midnight. You know, hour before midnight is a bit of an hour after midnight. Uh, I think it's a ruse that parents uh, make to try and make sure we go to sleep earlier. The fact is that we change midnight twice a year anyway at the moment because of daylight saving. Mm. Uh, So there's no question that it's better to go and have some sleep during the... uh, during the nighttime period, so going to bed uh, at uh, sort of four o'clock in the morning and getting eight hours through till midday is not as good as going to bed at midnight and getting up at eight, for example. Okay. Um, but whether you go to bed at uh, ten o'clock or go to bed at uh, midnight probably doesn't really make that much difference. 
Mm. As long as most of the sleep time is during night time, as it were. And as long as you can still, I mean, if you can always sleep until 8 o'clock, which, you know, most of us can't do that, but if we can uh, do that, then fine, do midnight till 8 or, you know, 11.30 till 8. But it's really the bottom line is, do you wake up feeling refreshed? I mean, that's the bottom line, really. If you wake up feeling refreshed on a regular basis, you're probably getting enough. <laughs> well, that's good. And I guess there's a lot of people that have asked, um, how do you get a sleeping partner maybe with your pattern and like comp... Um, <laughs> sleeping <laughs> pattern with your partner that you yes. can combat. So people maybe have... Yeah different mattress strengths that they like yeah. or someone yeah. snores and someone doesn't how would you combat these kind of differences through that, yeah. it, it, it is always a, a problem and I see so many people a night owl uh, in, in relationship with morning people <laughs> uh, and it is really it, it's funny it's like opposites attract often um, it's that sort of concept uh, I mean basically it needs to be compromised mm-hmm. um, so uh, you know if someone wants to go to bed at eight, nine o'clock because they have to be up at five o'clock to to you know go and do some work or whatever then that has to be accepted by the partner uh, that they're going to go to bed earlier mm-hmm. because going to bed for someone who's a night owl and can't sleep until 11 o'clock going to bed at eight thirty or 9 they're not going to be able to sleep so they're going to lie there and get very frustrated while the partner's lying there going to fast asleep so it's working out compromises and let's face it that's what relationships are about um, it's constantly working out some sort of compromise. Mm, yeah. I don't have an easy answer. I'm yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel like it's a tricky one for that one. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Um, if we had a couple of people around the office as well. Um, we were talking about magnesium, so I take magnesium uh, before I go to sleep because it's supposed to calm your brain. I think you you know. Right. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, look, it's predicated on a study done in 2012, and it was in the oldies. So it was in, I shouldn't say that because oh, I'm in the age of oh, really? the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it did show that it was actually um, quite helpful for sleep in those people. But they were magnesium deficient as well. Oh, I see. So, you know, if you're eating a, a good diet and, and you're not magnesium deficient, then it probably doesn't make a lot of difference, to be honest. Oh. And remember, anything you take for sleep, even if it's Zopiclone, which is a really good sleeping tablet, I might say, even if it's Zopiclone, a lot of that is placebo response. And what we don't like about that is the fact that if you start taking something to help you sleep, it's that pill that's doing it. Whether it's placebo or not, it's that pill that's doing it for me, or the sleep drops or whatever. Um, whereas we want you to be able to do it for yourself so yeah. that you can actually go to bed and you're confident. Because sleep in the end is all about confidence. I know when I go to bed, I'm tired, I can drift off to sleep. It doesn't bother me. Um, so it's really confidence that we need about going to sleep by yourself without the need for extra um, often quite expensive uh, medication. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've done the melatonin thing as well and found it really helpful. Um, but I, I I stopped that because I ran out and now I'm like, <laughs> well, I can't really sleep. <laughs> so I guess is well, it? That, yeah. Yeah. Is it the implementation of the nighttime, yeah. nighttime routine? Yeah, and in fact, in, in the end, uh, the, even the manufacturers of the circadian, which is a 2 milligram slow-release product of melatonin, said it didn't really make any difference under 55-year-olds. Um, oh. So it really, even the manufacturers weren't that convinced, and it is only recommended, of course, for over 55-year-olds. 
Um, so it probably doesn't make a lot of difference. But on the other hand, it's got sleep on the bottle. It's a sleep hormone. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, it's going to help me sleep. <laughs> yeah. What we want to do is get you to do it without needing to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess another question with that is can you actually catch up on sleep? So say if you had a late night, is napping the next day actually good for sleep, health and hygiene? Yeah, uh, napping can be really helpful. So don't knock napping. It's a, a really helpful thing. But my contention is that if you need to nap, then there's something wrong with your sleep. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're not getting enough rest- restor- restorative sleep at night. So basically, um, yes, napping can be quite good. It can be often a safety thing. You know, if you've got to drive somewhere in the afternoon, the next day, have a 10-minute, 10 or 10 10 15-minute nap. It's really uh, helpful to do that. But, um, you know, as far as catching up sleep, yes, I think you can catch up a little bit. But we used to teach, for example, that if you had, you know, five days of work when you really like a shift worker, that a weekend of full sleep will restore it. We don't think that now. We think that it probably takes at least a week of proper sleep before you can really make up any significant sleep debt. So an overnight sleep study, you know, late night on a Saturday night, (laughs) yeah, sure, go to bed a bit earlier on the Sunday night and you might be okay for Monday, but that's a Mm -hmm. one-off. If you keep on doing late nights, then you're probably going to take much longer to restore that sleep. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Alex. It's been really (laughs) nice. I feel like I can go to sleep tonight, make a little plan and get my... Have a little wind down. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All the best. Keep in touch. Thank you. Sounds all right. Good. All the best. All righty. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. My mum has always said that those pills are placebo, and I'm like, doesn't oh. matter. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> I'll is. Take I think it is. It's part of that whole mind over matter kind of thing. When you go to bed, sleep is such a mental game. Yes. And even like stressing about going oh. to sleep, like the anxiety of being like, I need a good sleep, and mm. then that anxiety keeping you up as well is just oh, the worst. I think but, the, um, the best advice I had is if you're lying down and you feel relaxed, your body's resting. Yeah. And I think um, what Alex said as well about confidence, you know. Yeah. Sleep is a confidence game. Make Ooh. a plan. Make a game plan and execute it. I love it. I love it. Well, that was a good way to ask an expert. Um, thank you for your questions as well, listeners. I really appreciate it, and I learnt a lot. Yeah. Um, thanks again to Alex for joining us on the show, Dr. Alex Bartle, um, New Zealand icon. Uh, coming up- thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.